and welcome to Pound the Rock, an NBA podcast by The Score. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined in studio by my fellow co-host, Joseph Cacharo. What's going on? Joe Wolfon is not here because he is on vacation. Where is he? No clue. No clue. No okay, clue. well, he's just not here at the moment. He's at a hope- tennis tournament or something somewhere in the world. Honestly, that's that's where Joe is most happiest. Um, so, you know, Wolfon, I hope you're having fun out there. You're probably listening. Actually, I hope you're not. If you're on vacation, maybe don't listen to the pod. <laughs> Uh, but uh, join, <laughs> joining us to fill in for Wolfon's chair is uh, John Chick. It's an honor to be here because Wolfon's prepping for the Australian Open. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really wouldn't doubt it. Anyway. John Chick of uh, Instagram fame. That's right. If that's right. Anyone listening to this podcast, go follow John Chick. I believe it's Roof, uh, that, Roof Peach that Peach on Instagram. Yeah. And you can watch his, uh, his deep in-car conversations with his Husky. May tape another one this weekend in a parking lot. We'll see how it goes. All right. Time breaks down. <laughs> well, um, we're here to talk basketball. The Chicago Bulls are uh, a bit of a mess right now. That's actually an understatement, really, because I, d- I didn't think any situation could get worse than that Cleveland situation earlier this year where, you know, the veterans are calling out Colin Sexton and, you know, Ty Lue gets fired after three games. I mean, I remember we saw Ty Lue in, in game one. He already looked so exhausted. <laughs> it's like the season opener. He looked mad tired. Um, but no, the, the Bulls have really come on strong in terms of most dysfunctional team in the league. Uh, they almost had a full-on mutiny, uh, like like three games into Jim Boylan's career as the uh, Bulls head coach. They lost by 56 points to the Celtics in a game where Daniel Tice started in place of Al Horford, who was injured, and had 22, 22 points, 10 rebounds, and was a plus 50. Plus 50. A plus 50 for Daniel Tice. Um I mean, they've both the players and the coaches have called it embarrassing. Cash, I'll start with you. What's going on in Chicago? Like, just can you explain this whole mess to us? Honestly, this this whole thing is very entertaining. Um, first of all, the whole Garpax duo. Um, that's John Paxson, who's been running the Bulls, I believe, since 2003. And Gar Foreman, who's been GM, I think, since 2009. Um, everyone knows how I feel about Ernie Grunfeld. Mm-hmm. These guys are like, <laughs> basically the next year, they're... They're kind of like Grunfeld light in the sense that they've been running this team for a long time with very minimal. Now, they've had a little more success than Grunfeld in the sense that, like, they had those, like, playoff runs in the mid-2000s and the Derrick Rose, Thibodeau Bulls won, like, 60 games and looked like a contender. But you take those two periods out, and, like, this has been a very dysfunctional franchise for a long time. And it's not just that they're bad. It's that they don't know they're bad, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you go back to a couple years ago when Garpak's... um, Signed, or they put together a trio of Rajon Rondo, Dwayne Wade, and Jimmy Butler. The three two, alphas. Right, the three alphas in 2016, whatever it was. And they thought that was like, they went into that season thinking they were going to contend for an East crown. When like anyone who knows basketball watching them, they're like like, they don't have enough shooting. There's going to be a disaster. And it ended up being a disaster. And then Hoiberg, I think they won like 41 or 42 games that year. Hoiberg had to like kind of take it on the chin. But really, that was like poor roster building by the Garpax duo. And then again, like you look at this year. Now, I'm not saying they expect it to be good, but I think they expect it to be like somewhat more competitive than this with that raw. And it's like, look at the roster you've cobbled together. Jabari Parker basically admitted to you the day you gave him $20 million, he was not playing a lick of defense. Lori Markinen didn't play until last week. Also, Lori Markinen's apparently like the savvy vet on this team because he's him and Robin Lopez are the only ones telling people to show up for practice. But like, Look at this marketingless roster and tell me what did they expect. Fred Hoiberg is not a good coach at the NBA level. At least it doesn't seem like he is. He was supposed to be an offensive-minded coach who finished like bottom 10 in offense every yeah. year he was a coach. So I'm not spilling tears for him, but like 
the fact that the Garpax duo was allowed to hire and fire him, and then to give Jim, like Jim Boylan, okay, somehow there's reports that Jim Boylan's got like some sort of security for next year. <laughs> Imagine you're Larry Drew in Cleveland. Yeah. Like, do you remember that whole? <laughs> my man Larry Drew, who isn't even that good of a coach, but still, Larry, he's not really my man. Larry shout out, Drew, <laughs> shout Larry, out the boys. Larry Drew. Had to practically play let's make a deal for yeah. two weeks with the Cavs front office just yeah. to get like a couple hundred thousand dollar yeah, raise. And then Jim questions. Boylan's over here, Mr. Drill Sergeant, like literally just shows up and gets an extra year of security. Um, I find it really funny that, uh, you know, the Bulls back in like 2015, they got tired of Tom Thibodeau. They said, we need to modernize our offense. We need to go hire Fred Hoiberg, <laughs> who was going to be our Steve Kerr to... You know, I guess Thibodeau would have been Mark Jackson as scenario. We're gonna play this upbeat, this you know, fast-paced you know offense that uh, Hoiberg did in, in in college, and then all of a sudden they get him, and then they're like, "Well, first year we're giving you all these washed veterans that aren't gonna do anything. They're not gonna pass the ball. Second year we're gonna give you the three alphas, and then after that we're just gonna tank basically." Um, and we're going to have fights in practice. Remember when Bobby Portis punched out Nikola Miritich? Right. They also picked Hoiberg over Jimmy Butler, yeah. right? So they just let Jimmy walk. Well, although that turned out to be a great deal, um, considering what happened with Jimmy and uh, how ugly it was in Minnesota. But still, they still picked him over the star player. And then they just let him go because all of a sudden they decided, well, you know what? We need a disciplinary approach. We need someone like Thibodeau to come in and just, you know, really put his foot down and, and run practice every single day. And, and check like... I, I can't believe they just went straight to Boylan. They didn't consider anyone. This is the Chicago Bulls. This is this is what uh, I've been meaning to ask, and I've been trying to figure this out since the story broke. Is isn't there a rule against teams practicing after a back to back? I think there, I mean there are like designated rules in terms of like the amount of days teams right. get off in the I, season. I, I think and, that's what it is because you can't because teams generally would never practice on a back to back if they're traveling. So no. this was a home back to back. So apparently the loophole was he was going to call it practice anyway. The players are like, ah, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> because they're sick of this guy doing, like, line drills, like grade nine stuff. They're practice. running suicide. <laughs> they're doing the beep test just every day in practice. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, like, I, I, all I know about Boylan is he apparently actually was on Jay Triano's staff with Canada Basketball a couple of years ago, um, the tournament in Mexico, which Canada lost. Um, to worked, Venezuela. Correct, correct. Um <laughs> He worked for Rudy Tomjanovich and uh, Pop, so mm -hmm. he probably models himself as some kind of disciplinarian, obviously without the resume of those two guys. Yeah. And uh, comes into the situation and figures, I'm going to try and bust heads. And it backfired badly, you know. <laughs> I mean, the thing, the thing about the Bulls, too, is like, you know, as bad as things are, I mean, obviously Garpax is kind of a flawed regime, but, you know, they're lucky they have pieces that they do in and Lowry and uh, Wendell Carter Jr. I mean, they're actually, you know, they've got some pieces to build in the future. I don't know about the rest of the franchise, but, you know, there's something there. Like, taking the over the Bulls and just thinking he can run things the way Greg Popovich and Rudy T. ran it because he worked for them, this would be like if George Hill, because, you know, George Hill went to Milwaukee now, this would be like if George Hill walks into the Bucks locker room and just thinks he's, like, cock of the walk, big sh and like his thing was like, yo, I played with LeBron last year, right? Everyone get out of my way, right? I inherited some leadership qualities. That's like, no, you're still George Hill. And guess what, Jim Boylan? You're still Jim Boylan. Yeah. And you're not even the cool Jim Boylan who spells his name with an A instead of an E that's suing the Cavs for ageism. At least that guy's got a cool story. That's yeah, I, I, I thought that's what this was, actually. Yeah, no, it's a different Jim Boylan. Um, I, I really, let's get into the fact that the players, so they called mutiny. So 
Boylan takes over for Hoiberg, right? So Boylan was on the assistant staff for a couple of years. And according to reports, he was basically the bad cop. You know, Fred Hoiberg is sort of more laid back, chill. There's a lot of concerns in terms of sort of the reports coming out. It's called soft, actually, in a lot of ways. <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? The, basically, he was a little bit too nice, right, to the players. And so Boylan was that guy who would come in and be the hammer. And so when they promoted Boylan right away, no, again, no job search, nothing. This is a great Chicago Bulls organization. We don't need to look for any other coach. We had it on the roster this whole time. Um when he comes in, so then obviously he's going to do a disciplinary thing, right? He's going to, you know, you know, run practice really hard. He's going to run, you know, back-to-back practices. And then they play three games for four nights, and then he calls practice again. <laughs> and at that point, the players are running this, like, group text, apparently, and they're talking about how this is ridiculous. We're going to go to the players' union. All right, we don't want to go to practice on a Sunday night or Sunday morning, whatever it was. Um, and apparently, like, all the <laughs> – they showed up at practice. All the players are just standing in unison being like, no, we're not. We're going on strike. And then eventually they have to appoint Zach Levine and Justin Holiday as their leaders to basically go and talk to the front office. And now there's a quote-unquote leadership committee. That's just a mess. First off, how are Zach Levine and Justin Holiday your team leaders? Well, I think first off, I think Holiday is like the second oldest player. I think the oldest player is Robin Lopez. So there's a lot of young guys on that team. And, and I think Boylan assumed that he could like, you know, push these guys around a bit. Maybe because Hoiberg had been perceived as so soft for so long that you know he was going to come in and be the tough guy and it just completely backfired also apparently you know there's a lot of talk back and forth and Boylan was like you know what I was with the Spurs this is what this is how pop ran things and then the players are like you're not pop though (laughs) this is a big difference (laughs) and we're clearly not the Spurs like yeah um I mean the, the Bulls are a mess man and I think it goes back to expectations right like what did this team realistically expect? Because we all looked at this roster and thought, this might be one of the worst defensive groups ever assembled. If we it build wasn't, it fast, yeah. Yeah, if it wasn't for the Phoenix Suns, this is clearly the worst defensive team in the league. I guess the Cavaliers are really giving them competition too. But still, I mean, like, you know, what are the Bulls expecting? And really, what can the Bulls expect moving forward? Because I think maybe one thing is they probably know that they're going to tank this season. They're going to get a, a, a good pick, which is not a bad thing. This looks like a really nice draft. Get one of those Duke guys, he can change a lot for you. But um, I think ideally what they have in mind with Boylan is that like you can have a guy who can come in, set a culture, and then the rest of the players can just sort of follow and, you know, it's sort of like the Dwayne Casey pound the rock culture, you know, shout out to this podcast. But like Dwayne Casey came to Toronto at a time when everything was just a complete mess. He instilled a culture and then eventually when the talented players came, they could actually fit in, you know, uh, into a system, into a culture where right now the Bulls have no culture. Other than being a mess. They've lost 11 games this year by at least 15 points. Eight mm-hmm. of those by 20-plus points. And three games by, like, 35-plus. Like, they yeah. are out of games yeah. by the second quarter a lot of nights. They it's, start Cameron Payne, though. Like. It's, but, but that's the thing, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's one thing to build a bad team. Um, intentionally or unintentionally, whatever. Like, it's bad enough. You build a bad team. But then, like, as a basketball executive at the NBA level, it always just kind of, like shocks me you know it, it shouldn't shock me anymore but like the three of us okay like we're you know we all write about basketball we cover basketball for a living like whatever will you do a lot of like x's and o stuff 
But none of us are like NBA coaches here. None of us no, are no, like, no. you know what I mean, at that level of basketball expertise. And yet we can sit down at the beginning of a season and look at a roster like, say, this Bulls roster and be like, okay, clearly this team is going to suck. And they're really going to have like a hard time defending. It's going to be a problem. It's going to be a long year. They just got to wait it out till next year. It always boggles my mind that like we can easily identify that in rosters. And the guys who put the rosters together can't, can't see that yeah. and can be like, oh, no, we should be competing every night. Like we should... You know, these playoff race isn't good. Like, we should be right there for the AC. It's like, what are you smoking? What yeah, What yeah. are you looking at? It felt like the same thing was going on with the Phoenix Suns, and I'm not sure. You know, I don't know why that is, if it's just a power of positive thinking or anything like that. But, yeah, it's it's something else. Like, the, the team can't defend. The, the blow loss to, to Boston at home, man, this is crazy. Like, 56 points. At home. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, that's, that, and that's a game where Boylan, I think, he yanked all five starters twice, all right? First, when they gave up a 17-0 run to start the game, you yank all five starters. That's, yeah. that's understandable. That's fair. You right. can't argue that. Right. In the second half, they open it 5-3 to three for the Celtics, <laughs> and then he benched all five starters again, so, which is yeah. just hilarious. How many times did he do a five-man substitution in that game? I think it was more than once. It was three times. <laughs> yeah. I believe it was three uh, times. And, and he said, I think when some of the reporters asked him, he said, well, Pop's done this before. So, again, I think he's resting a lot of his – I work for Pop. I, you know, this is this is my thing. It's not it, apparently it's not transcending with his players. Yeah, it really doesn't fly. I mean, look when you look at this Bulls roster, who are the guys that you are confident you can keep moving forward? Like this is a piece that we're gonna have when the team eventually makes the playoffs again. Hopefully, in like the next decade, maybe. Um, because I'm looking at the roster right now, and like Zach Levine, probably you'll keep him. They, they like him, but he's very much like an empty stats guy right now. Well, they locked him up, yeah. Um, Justin Holiday is probably going to get traded, I feel like. He's actually a nice trade piece. He's having a decent year for them, too. Yeah, but he's 29 years old, right? right? He's not going anywhere. He's like a maxing out as a Courtney Lee type, right? And then Jabari Parker. I mean, Bulls fans hate this dude already. He plays so badly on defense. And then it's like Archie Diakono, Laurie Markkinen, you're going to keep him. And Wendell Carter, you're probably going to keep him. But beyond that, like everyone else is kind of expendable. Right, you have no core set up, and this is after, like you mentioned, the management has been here for 15 years, and this is what you have. You, you, that's just unacceptable. Yeah, and as you mentioned, like they're obviously bad enough to land what looks like a, you know, probably a transcendent player in the draft, assuming they get like a top three, four pick this yep. year. Um, there is a window here, like there's some light at the end of the tunnel in terms of like, you know, between marketing and a potentially. Like top three pick this year, there's yeah. some. You still have the Chicago market behind you. Mm-hmm. Like there's baby steps can be taken here to like get back on the right. But I just wouldn't want Garpax touching that. Right. So just like clean house, let them go too. Like they should not be allowed to hire the next coach of the Chicago Bulls because like newsflash, it's Jim Boylan's not gonna. I don't care what they say. Like any sane basketball mind is not bringing Jim Boylan back next year as this team's head coach. So like, cut your losses, start yeah. fresh. And see what um, like a fresher management mind can do with marketing in a pick and some cap space in the Chicago market. Yeah, because like we said, I mean, Lowry and Wendell Carter Jr., these are good pieces to start with. This is a – like when you look at the roster, this is a rebuilding roster. Like, I, But I don't know – who knows what management's going to do. These guys have been there for so long. If you look at – like you mentioned Grunfeld, there's certain people in this league that are Teflon. We can't figure out why. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And they're both big markets, too. Like, Washington and Chicago are obviously big cities. Yeah. You know, Chicago certainly has a long history of success. Um, Paxson played for the Bulls with Jordan. I don't know if that's buying him consistently every year. Mm. 
job security, but yeah, it's got to change. You'd, you'd hope at some point. Uh, the great city of Mexico City will get to see this team uh, <laughs> on display up close. Like what, what a treat! <laughs> yeah, what better um, ambassadors for the NBA than the Chicago Bulls and Orlando, Orlando Magic, Magic, who will go, who will play in Mexico City this week, and and then after that, the real treat: the Bulls can see just how appreciated Jim Boylan is in San Antonio. Because Saturday, December 15th, the Bulls are in San Antonio. Wow. And you got, like, definitely probably a video tribute for Boylan or yeah. something, right? <laughs> given, given, given his impact. You just see, like, a whole bunch of, like, Greg Popovich with, like, a guy in the background just holding a clipboard and just, like, <laughs> him right there zooming in. Just Look at him absorbing all those Poppian tendencies. Oh, man. Boylan's really going to be hoping he gets a big hug from Pop in front of the he, cameras. He better. Well. Pop better come over to him and just <laughs> present him with a ring or something, man. Um yeah, by, by the way, yeah, the NBA's initiatives in Mexico City, like, can you send them a team better than, like, the Brooklyn Nets and, like, the Chicago Bulls yeah. and the Phoenix Suns? I mean, like, come on. If you're going to invest in a market, like, really invest in this market. Like, you know. It seems like the last couple of years, those haven't been ideal matchups. Yeah. But then again, I guess the talk is that, uh, you know, the NBA wants to first put a G League team in Mexico City. So this is preparing them for G League basketball. Because, <laughs> look, look at the Bulls roster. There are entire games when they start, like, three or four G League-level players. I know they've dealt with some injuries, so it's not entirely fair to them. But, like, I mean, Ryan Archie Diacono, a Chandler Hutchinson, like, Antonio Blakeney. You know, Antonio think- Blakeney was shooting, like, 60% through the first four games of the yeah. season. I think he's shooting like 30%. Are you saying he's shooting 60% of the shots? Because that's how he was in the G League, too. He took like, he, I think he led the G League in scoring last year. Um, he's, he's got some scoring shots. But I mean, like, even Cristiano Felicio, like, this whole this whole team is hilarious. I don't know how maybe, anyone decided to pay Felicio three years, by the way. Maybe uh, Mexico City will get the Suns. Huh? Ah, there we go. Lost Suns. We can do it. Let's do it. Um, okay, moving on from the Bulls um, the Raptors played the Clippers last night and uh, you know that meant Kawhi Leonard was in Los Angeles but for the second time this season Kawhi has sat uh, in Los Angeles maybe a bit of gamesmanship by the Raptors although realistically both games were you know uh, in a set of back-to-backs and Kawhi was actually legitimately hurt for the uh, the Lakers game we don't know about this Clipper game just yet apparently he's questionable with a hip injury but um yeah, this brought up a lot of talk, once again, that, uh, you know, Kawhi may be going after the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers definitely going after Kawhi. There's a report out there from Brian Windhorst that Raptors officials have noticed at 75% of their games, they're seeing Clippers front office people. You know, Frank Lawrence is in – or Lawrence Frank, I was I will say. Lawrence Frank. <laughs> Frank Lawrence. That sounds, that sounds like a cooler name. Um, you know, he's at, you know, Raptors games. He's watching Kawhi. They're really making it obvious. And – you know, Windhorse also mentioned that it's not just Kawhi. They want to get both KD and Kawhi, which, based on the way they can sort of manipulate the cap next year and what they do with Gallinari's contract, um, they can actually do that, right? They're one of the few teams that have that much money available. Um, but I, I would say that, you know, I'm a little bit confused as to what the Clippers can realistically offer because when you look at the existing players in the roster, it's not great. So unless you can get both those guys in at once... I don't really see one guy jumping in there and just leading the ship right away. Yeah, if you get both, then it's different because then you can obviously offer immediate contention in, in L.A. But if you're only getting one of them, to me, your offer is just L.A. L.A. and Steve Ballmer, right? Who I think I, I don't think he'll have a reluctance to pay and spend into the tax and all that going forward. And I think that does carry weight. Like, players love L.A., you know, yeah. rightfully so. I think they'd like to live in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, but... 
I don't know, man. Like, something about the Clippers in general still. Like, even last night, you look at that game, and I know the Raptors have a great traveling fan base, don't get me wrong, but, like, they were getting louder cheers at parts of the night than the Clippers. Like, you look at how many times, even when the Clippers were competitive, like, a road team's fans would invade that arena because they're the second team in L.A., and they don't represent, like, a different area of L.A., like, at least the Nets can cling to in New York. Like, they play in the same arena. They just both represent the city of Los Angeles. Do you guys remember when Chris Paul got booed at a Dodgers game? Chris yeah. Paul was throwing the first pitch at a Dodgers game, and he got booed because they saw it as like, oh, like he's a clipper. Yeah, like, and he it, also yeah refused the Lakers and stuff like that. Well, he didn't but, refuse them. It was more so that like, the league vetoed the trade. But I don't know. I just If you're Kawhi Leonard, I guess, and you just want to get back to LA or to California, then sure, I guess. But if, if these guys still want to compete and contend, um, then I think there'll be better options in the Clippers unless they join forces. And that's the other thing too. Like, I don't know if Kawhi doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's like a super team. Like, let me join. Like, right. The guy did. Did you see when they asked him about Christmas yesterday? Did anyone yeah. see this? Yeah. <laughs> when reporter asked Kawhi, like, it was clearly one of those things where the guy's probably just bouncing around the room asking players about Christmas, and he's gonna put it on like whatever site he has. Like, it's a pretty yeah. me- like harmless thing. And he gets to Kawhi, and he's like, "Oh, so Merry Christmas." <laughs> uh, you you know you have a favorite Christmas memory and Kawhi is just like not right now, <laughs> like, not right now, not right just, now. Is how he said it. Completely. Like, but the funny thing with Kawhi is he just keeps his delivery consistent. Yeah, you know? like he'll answer any question with the same stuff. Um, but yeah, so I just I don't know how much Kawhi's into the whole like let me join forces with this other superstar. I think mm-hmm. I don't know. No one knows anything about what Kawhi's thinking. Yeah, there's like, no, yeah. there's nothing really indicate right. that's the case. I mean, there was talk that maybe him and Jimmy Butler are kind of buddy buddy, but I, I don't. Butler's definitely staying in Philadelphia. Yeah, and I mean that's kind of resolved itself now, right? That he's been traded. So like I I think the Kawhi to the Clippers is a logical connection for a lot of people because obviously he's from Los Angeles. Right. There's talk that maybe he might not want to be in LeBron's shadow. I don't know if you're going to get KD as well. I personally don't see it happening. I mean, who knows what KD's going on in his head. Now he's talking about wanting to build statues in the Bay Area and then stay there. This is after his oh fight. <laughs> so, Can the statue of him and Draymond be like Rocky and Apollo <laughs> Creed? Like, punch yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and, you know, he's obviously fixated on the Bay Area because of his business interests in Silicon Valley and that. I don't know, like, you know, obviously L.A. has its appeals for everyone. Um but yeah, I mean the Clippers are going to have cap space. There's no doubt about it. And if if it's not KD, I mean if they go, they're going to go after Kawhi. And if they get Kawhi, or if they don't get Kawhi, they can probably land somebody else. Um, the interesting footnote in that Windhorse story was also that uh, some league execs told them that they think that Tobias Harris could become one of the max slots in that, which is kind of crazy to think a couple of years ago. I mean, I think Tobias Harris is a good player, but he's yeah. he certainly kind of developed in L.A. this year. But yeah. I don't know if I'd be in that position. I, I actually uh, I talked to Tobias Harris okay. at the USA minicamp yeah, okay. uh, this past year in Vegas and f- like full out asked him about turning down that $80 million extension. And he said, this was back in July, he's like, I'm, I'm ready to go earn my value this mm. year. And like, it, he, I mean, it was a big risk for him. Like, he's yeah. a good player, but a cu- again, a couple like, John said a couple of years ago, someone had told you, like, yeah, we're going to offer Tobias Harris $80 million. You'd be like, well, he's going to take that off. He's been in the league eight years yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. And he turned that down because, he, as he told me in July, like, I'm ready to earn my value and basically betting on himself. And so far, so good. Like, Yeah, he's averaging 21 points a game. On, like, 50% shooting. Yep, almost 40% from three. His mid-range game is a lot better. 
He's playing a little bit more in the post. But the thing with the Clippers is like they are overperforming, and you think, well, with this sort of a, a lot of the pieces that are overperforming are guys that you know they can keep going forward. Like Tobias Harris, they can resign. Like Gallinari's under contract. Shea Gilchrist Alexander is you know on a rookie scale deal, so he's going to be there. Lou Williams is going to be there next year. Montrez Harrell is going to be there next year. So most of their key contributors are actually pretty cost controlled, and so you can seamlessly add a superstar into that mix, and they could be a good team. However, if you're in Kawhi situation and you're part of the Raptors right now, who you know have stumbled a little bit with some close losses, um, but I mean overall the Raptors have the best record in the NBA right now. And then on top of that, you see when the Raptors rested Kawhi Leonard and the you know Raptors without Kawhi go in to face the Clippers without Kawhi, and they just they smoked them. Like it wasn't close. I felt like when I watched that game, I don't think the Clippers came ready to play, so it's not a fair assessment, but. It looked like the Raptors had, like, five of the best players on the floor, at least. Like, everybody won their position. Serge Ibaka looked like Anthony Davis. Kyle Lowry found a shot again. Like, if you're Kawhi and you're watching that game, you're like, I don't know. The Clippers don't look great. This is not a great recruiting pitch. Man, I've said it before, but if you – if, say, you only cared about just, like, getting to California and that weather and, like, that West Coast lifestyle, and you wanted a team that has – pathway to max cap space next year good young talent on like cost control deals and in california i'll say it again man i, I know ownership's crazy but the kings right now oh my god i'm telling you <laughs> oh yo god. look at this i'm telling you all you want to do is live in california and you just want to join like an up-and-coming team and it's between the clippers <clears throat> and uh-huh. the king all else now i know northern california though. what's that northern california right though. and i know you can't say all else equal because you mm-hmm. take Balmer over vivek probably any day <laughs> but still man if you're just looking to like join a promising young court in california that can give you max i if I was Kawhi, I'd be looking at the Kings more than looking at the Clippers. Now, I don't think that's the case. I think he is looking at the Clippers more. But the next question then is, like, how good do you guys think the Clippers could be if you mm-hmm. just insert – like, if you insert Kawhi and the, you keep Tobias Harris. So you go forward next year with a core of, like, Kawhi Leonard, Tobias Harris, Lou Williams would still be under contract, Montrezl Harrell who's having a great year, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Like, what does that core get you? West Finals, maybe. I guess it also depends what happens in Golden State. I, I, right. I would. I don't know about West Finals, man. I mean, Kawhi's great. Kawhi's really great, but like West Finals with that roster. And what happens with the Lakers? I mean, who's LeBron? Yeah, or like, right. are they adding anybody? Yeah. You know? do, do the Warriors keep it together? Right. Keep the band together. Um, yeah. yeah. I. I just. Yeah. The, the Clippers thing is interesting. Also, the idea of KD and, and Kawhi playing together. I think there might be some stumbling blocks there because, again, from the surface, I don't think. Um, Katie's actually talked a lot about Kawhi. Yeah, but I mean, like, Katie's also talked about Kawhi in the past and kind of called him a system player, said Paul George was better, stuff like that. And, you know, okay. And I I think just Kawhi, just from the outside, he kind of looks like he takes that a bit personally. And, you know, when we were at the the Warriors game, like, he, in in Toronto, I mean, like, Kawhi took every single opportunity to go at KD. And KD also responded in kind of. It was a great game between two superstars. I think they combined for, like, 80-something points. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure Kawhi really is that kind of guy that's like, I'm looking to go up and, and join superstars and stuff like that. It was just like, you know, like everyone says this about individual stars and lone stars or whatever, but like when you look at the history of this, like players usually have a connection somewhere, right? right. They play in Team USA together, right. at whether that's the Olympics or the World Championship or whatever. And like, where is that connection between Kawhi and these guys? Kawhi's yeah. sort of been on the outside looking in. He wasn't even at the Team USA. Was he at the camp? No, not this year because. Obviously, well, it would have been awkward because Popovich right. is running it, but the, yeah. the, they didn't come out and say, oh, he's not going because of Pop. What they said is he's he's taking this time to like get acclimated to his new team, which right. 
Probably yeah, not. if you look back at LeBron and, and Wade and Bosch and that union, I mean, those guys were buddy-buddy yeah, yeah. for three, four years in advance. You've seen no evidence of that to suggest that. They're uh, probably eating Peking duck while <laughs> discussing how they're going to get the Miami Heat to sign all three of them. I, uh, I still think it's like, not that I think the decision is simple, but I think the um, the approach is very simple when it comes to the Kawhi, and I don't think it's that hard to tell. Like, if, if all he cares about is just competing, like um, – then the Raptors, to me, are the obvious choice because he's already on the team. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to move again. They can offer him the most amount of money. They've got the best record in the league right now, and depending on what happens with Golden State, like might actually be the best setup for the future. When you look on how like Pascal Siakam's come on and like some of their young guys, yeah, they if, could, the Raptors could get a second star though. They they're a little bit hurting for that. No, they could, but I'm just saying if if you only care about competing and yeah. you've already got the other stuff there, like you mm-hmm. already play there, you're entrenched there, and you can make the most money there the Raptors seem like the obvious choice. If it's just about, like, a comfort and lifestyle. kind of... Exactly, lifestyle and wanting to be closer to home, then the Clippers are the obvious choice. But to me, like, if it's between those two teams, one of those things is going to win out. If he stays with Toronto, it's, he probably just wants to compete for titles and that's it. If he goes to L.A., it's probably just because he wants the comfort of home and the Cali lifestyle. And I think either way, it's fine. You know, like, both are understandable. And I could yeah, see either sure. one happening, too. I mean, it's... Yeah, exactly. We're going to be guessing this until exactly. July, so... Yeah, I just don't think like I know a lot of people are trying to you know think of it as like oh like what could the Clippers construct around him and like, I I just don't think that's even on his mind if he's yeah. going to the Clippers it's because I think he wants to be back. Yeah, in I mean those are decisions that obviously he would make at that time, but the fact that they have the cap space is obviously lending itself to. I mean their new arena I think is years away. I don't think it's going to be in Inglewood, right? Yeah, yeah, but I think it's he said something. Balmer said it was like twenty twenty four. It's probably by the time it gets built. Wow. So I don't think that's top of mind when uh, free agents. So he's just renting in the meantime. Christmas isn't even top of mind for Quine. That's like two weeks away. You're (laughs) telling me 2024 Inglewood Arena's on his mind? Um, One thing, if you're Kawhi Leonard, though, I don't actually think that he's going to... I mean, this is sort of deep into his free agency stuff, but he's got eight years of service time right now, right? And depending on what happens this year, he could sign a super... Sorry, the Supermax is no longer available to him because he could only sign that with the Spurs, and the Spurs didn't offer it to him, and he he left. Um, but, I mean, he's got eight years of service time right now. It doesn't fully make sense for him to sign a five-year deal anywhere unless he's not comfortable with his health. And this year, with the way the Raptors have managed him, his health has been fine. Um, and, you know, it's alleviated a lot of concerns because he only played nine games last year. But it doesn't quite make sense for him financially to sign such a long-term deal. It makes more sense for him to sign, like, a two-year deal or, like, a one-plus-one or maybe a two-plus-one or something like that and then hit the market again when he's 29 years old and he has a chance to sign a five-year deal. If you're just looking to maximize your total career earnings, right? Because chances are, if you sign a five-year deal now, he's 27, right? He's going to be 32 again when he signs. He's probably not going to get the max at 32. Whereas if you sign for two years and then you go into free agency at 29, then you could still get a max, no yeah. problem. And you can get you know more money on the lifespan of your deal. So if that's the case, then if you're looking at a short-term deal for Kawhi, then which situation appeals to you then? If it, is it Toronto or is it... Um, is it the Clippers? I think in that case, Toronto is then even more appealing because then you can look at it as like, I'll sign my two-year max, like the, the max I can make over two years mm-hmm. um, with Toronto, compete for titles for a couple, couple of years, and then in a couple of years, I'll be a free agent again as a 10-year veteran, which is then when I can make the most money possible, yeah. and I'll sign my... Then if I want to go to Cali then and kind of play the back half of my prime back home, then I'll sign a four-year max with another team. And I think he should look at it like... If he's going to look at it like that, I think it makes the most sense to sign a short-term deal in Toronto 
and then look for his second max when he's at the 10-year level like elsewhere. Yeah, for sure. I mean, assuming, you know, the Raptors are the best team in the league right now, if they get to the finals, how hard is it to walk away from a finals team? So, I mean, yeah. and if from a contract standpoint, if he signs that shorter deal, you're, you know, you're, you're waiting out Lowry's window. You know, maybe you wait into when Siakam's the next best player on the team, or yeah. you hope that maybe they can go out and get somebody else. So, yeah, I mean that would be the way to go. If he if he goes to L.A., he'd probably sign a long term deal, and all the you know accompanying L.A. stuff that goes along with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and to again to this point, I mean, like the Raptors have like a they made like a three year window for themselves last year when they decided to re-sign Kyle and they signed uh, Serge Ibaka as well. And so they basically locked themselves in this timeline. And, you know, after year one, when they won 59 games last season, you know, they still got swept in the playoffs and then they decided to go get Kawhi. And, like, yeah, if you're going to see out this whole timeline and get to that point where maybe when 2021 happens and a lot of the Raptors' money comes off the books and maybe you have Kawhi and maybe you can get another guy. And if you get the Raptors at that point, if they can get another guy to join Kawhi in addition to some of these young guys like Siakam, like OG, um, then, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe you see what happens, right? Because that's not a bad pitch either. So um, this Kawhi thing is just going to just continue happening is what I'm saying. And uh, it's really funny because he's not going to say anything about it. It's great. (laughs) Not right now. Not right now. So we're just going to make inferences off a guy who's not going to say anything. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break right here. When we come back, We'll tackle, make or miss. Hey, listeners. A friendly reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to Pound the Rock on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. We also urge you to check out our other shows on the Scores Podcast Network. For baseball fans, there's Expand the Zone, Sweeper Keeper, covers the world of soccer, and there's the Fantasy Football Podcast with Justin Boone. Please also download the Score app where you can find all our feature content, live scores, and the most up-to-date breaking news. Thank you, and back to Pound the Rock. Welcome back to the second half of Pound the Rock. Still here with Cash and Chick. Um, we are going to move into our make or miss segment. I'm going to give a statement, and uh, if they agree with it, it's a make. If they disagree, it's a miss. First one, Greg Popovich, who just passed Pat Riley for fourth in all-time coaching wins, is the best coach of all time. I'm calling that a make. Um, I mean, we weren't around to see, like, Red Auerbach and those guys, so I don't know. But I just th- just the way the game has evolved, I'm going to assume pretty safely that, like, the game is more complex now than it's ever been, and, and Greg Popovich did the most um, during the, the most competitive era in basketball history and, and also did the most with the least at times, too. Yeah, I, I call it a make, too, although, I mean, a question is, is hatred of the three-pointer <laughs> uh, in modern days. But, yeah, I mean, you know, like, like people talk about, like, Phil Jackson. I think Phil Jackson was just an ego manager. I don't think he was a great coach, um, you know, because he had some of these great players, like, Pop obviously had great players, but his system, the methodology of that, um, and the titles with totally different players too, has been has been amazing. I think Pat Riley deserves a shout out too. But. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, well, I mean, this, this, this is why I didn't think you guys would both go make on this because there is a lot of great coaches obviously out there. I, I would say the thing with Pop that probably stands out the most is that he like won titles like 15 years apart right. with the same team. Like that's playing I, different I, styles, playing yeah. completely different styles, and I think the, a coach being able to reinvent himself is just really rare. Because usually, great players, great anything, right? They get great doing one thing, and then they can't really relinquish that. And Pop really won from like the you know the two 
the tower system to this sort of modern basketball. And then he got the Marta Rosen and decided three-pointers <laughs> were just the worst thing well, to have in a basketball. That's the thing. He's been able to adapt for so long, and now he's got this kind of wonky roster. And now he just he sounds like an angry old man. He's like, yeah. I, I will say, though, like this year is a good indicator. Like we're basically all he's sitting here saying Greg Popovich is the best coach of all time. And this is a good reminder for people that, like, a coach can only do so much because look at the roster the Spurs have this year that doesn't have shooting and doesn't have any defenders and, and they're a terrible shooting, terrible defensive team. So like even for the best coach of all time, mm-hmm. at some point you are a slave to your roster. Yeah, but, and look, uh, the Spurs under Popovich since 1998 have never finished below 11th in defensive rating. That's insane. Right now it's, they're 29th. It's <laughs> nuts. It's, it's nuts. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, we're, we're, obviously we're going to nitpick now, but this team, yeah. last team, last time they missed the playoffs was 1997. Yeah. So that may happen this year, and that's pretty crazy. Uh, next one. Um, J.R. Smith is going to help the Rockets turn their season around. <laughs> uh, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> I take that laughter as a miss. <laughs> yeah, it would be a miss. Um, Why are they after J.R. in the first place? Well, I, I, just today, I, just in the last hour or so, it, it broke the Rockets maybe interested in Contavious Caldwell-Pope, which was certainly... Oh, okay. well, let me have done this then. KCP <laughs> is going to save the Rock- Rockets. Well, we season. can talk about J.R. too. I mean, like... Obviously, KCP would be the better option in that, depending. Although, I don't know what they how they acquire him, given that they have to get rid of Brandon Knight's contract. Um, I don't know. In terms of J.R. Smith, I don't know. You probably don't have to give anything for him. I'm not sure. But I think with J.R.'s engaged, you know, around mm-hmm. good players, he is yeah. a lot better than he has been. But I don't think that that's the case now. I wouldn't call the Rockets dysfunctional at the moment, but they're just not playing well. I mean, Houston's got a couple of distractions, right? Well, they do. I mean, James Harden knows where, where to go in Houston. You know, I'm sure he introduced some things to uh, Jr. Who, and last time Jr. was in a metropolitan city, did not uh, go well. Did not go well. Well, it, he yeah. won a Sixth Man of the Year, but off the court, did not go well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I mean about the Rockets too. I mean, they've also got a lot of problems, and they're they're I think they're second last in the West right now. But I mean, they still got you know two Hall of Famers on the roster. I mean, if that could get Jr. Yeah. motivated, I don't know. But no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go with that. Yeah, I'm going with a hard miss considering, like, the. Uh, I'm gonna, this miss is so hard, it's like a steel pipe. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> if you know JR's history. Um, but uh, the Rockets, right now, lead, again, for the umpteenth year in a row, lead the league in terms of the percentage of their shots that come from three. Like, 49% yeah. of their shots are three pointers. They're the 26th ranked defense, though. JR Smith. It, all you, he's doing is like fitting into the mold in the sense that yeah. all he's going to do is jack threes and he's not going to play defense. He does not help them whatsoever. He's just ru- like very on brand for them, but in the worst possible way. Yeah, he he's a super expensive Gerald Green. <laughs> like go. that's that's basically it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just surprised that the Rockets are so heavily after him. You know what I mean? Like, and it, it seems like when this Ariza talk happens, like. It's not like the Rockets are, like, dying to get Ariza back, which, I mean, like, if you're going to make any move, go get Ariza back. But it seems like the Lakers are going to land Ariza. Um, okay, next one. Uh, make or miss. The Nuggets are screwed uh, and will fall back in the playoff race with both Millsap and um, Harris out for at least a month. Yeah, I'll keep this quick. It's a make, man. Like, the West is too hard. It's a legit 14-team playoff race. I love what the Nuggets are doing this year, like on both sides of the ball, but it's unfortunate, that, man. It, and it's very unfortunate. They were great, man. They were they're top ten on both sides of the ball. They were number one in the West at the time of the injuries, but they're losing like two a very good yeah. two way player, like starting caliber players mm-hmm. for pretty extended periods. I, 
yeah, I just don't see how they can keep up this pace with them. Yeah, it's it's a make. It's too bad because they're fun to watch. Um, if there's one thing kind of going for them, I looked at their sched in the next month, and uh, they're playing a lot of good teams at home and a lot of okay. lesser teams on the road. So, obviously, if you buy into that whole mile-high stuff, I mean, it does help. I think that that might be in their corner. And, you know, you just Speaking hope Speaking of miles-high, by the way, they just got Nick Young. That's, that, that's right. Yeah, so, nice. well, I don't know if I would put their odds high now, but – well, see, I mean, it'd be nice to see, like, uh, Michael Porter play at some point. I'm not yes. sure what his schedule is, but, I mean, I- I'm sure that's not going to be something that's going to be putting him in the playoffs. It would just be nice to see him play. Yeah, Michael Porter, for those who don't who haven't seen him, I mean, he is, like, fantastically talented. I'm not going to say he's, like, a KD-level player, but he has KD-level tools and a KD-level body. Also, I so I saw him in the Nuggets locker room when they were in Toronto a couple weeks ago, and yeah. I was yeah, just going to say I did not realize how big yeah he's like six it's like six ten at least yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 he kind of evokes memories of Katie when you just look at him physically. I mean, yeah. he's obviously you don't want to make that comparison, but yeah, no, he, he could be a really exciting player. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, next one, make or miss. Uh, Ariza fails to crack the starting lineup for the Lakers. Uh, I'd say uh, maybe a miss. Um, if if they get a Reza, mm-hmm. I, I've noticed. I mean, with Ingram out, they've been starting Josh Hart. I would I would say Josh Hart's probably better than a Reza at this point. Yeah, he, he, and I guess now the other wild card is if they trade KCP. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Lakers could use Trevor Reza no matter mm-hmm. what. <clears throat> if they use him off the bench, I mean, he gives you that much more depth. Um, yeah, maybe maybe it is a miss because if you're gonna you gotta start LeBron at the three. You start in Kuzma. They're starting JaVale. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you bring him off as a six-man who can play D. I'm going to say he starts, but not not necessarily based on merit. It's just because, like, any time a LeBron-led team seems to add, like, one of these vets, they yeah. it's like this weird respect thing where they start. Like, say, remember when they – I know, obviously, Trevor Reese is not Dwayne Wade, but, like, last year when they brought oh, yeah, Wade yeah. and, like, Wade was started and it was a whole thing and it caused problems with JR. And then after, like, seven or eight games, <laughs> Wade had to go to Ty Lue and be like, all right, man, I'll come off the bench. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, Wade had right, to go to – So, like, yeah, I, could sure, see, I could see I could see them, like, starting Ariza and then if it, like, does doesn't work uh-huh. moving him to the bench which is where he should be yeah i was gonna say i mean they gotta make room for mellow too right so <laughs> <laughs> yo that, that whole thing just came and passed like i, I love how lebron was like, like mellow's career yeah, wow <laughs> wow i, I like yeah, how many Le- players are gonna like that one <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean like lebron was just like hey man you guys are not treating mellow fairly at all like i can't believe it was made to be the scapegoat and then they're like wow reports are that lebron well, wants to like to sign mellow he's like no 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 i, I, I didn't say that I didn't, I didn't go that far <laughs> i was just trying to support the guy but i'm not signing him here no we already have michael beasley um <laughs> all right now next one um make or miss Embiid has a right to be upset that butler is taking away some of his shots uh miss um, yeah, I, I think he's he's finding out that he's getting less touches on a block, um, but this is a much better team with Jimmy Butler. Yeah, um, they're like and, and, and I think ten he, and three or something. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah they're rocketing up the power rankings. I mean, like, um, and Bede even kind of tried to clarify this after those yeah. comments were made. I think he wasn't trying to put any heat on Jimmy. I mean, yeah, you got Jimmy Butler on your team now. Uh-huh. I, I think Embiid just likes to talk. Um, <laughs> if, if there's if he's getting less touches and then he's going to let people know about it um, but I think Brett Brown said too like I mean Embiid's still kind of like the fulcrum of their of their offense in the middle so I wouldn't worry about that and I would expect the Sixers to be fine 
Yeah, I'll play devil's advocate and say it's a make only because I think um, I think it was a no-brainer to go get Jimmy Butler, and I think they're obviously better with Jimmy Butler. But I do think that they should like remember. Um, I, I'm going to put it the exact way Brett Brown put it. I think they should remember where their bread is buttered, and Brett, mm. that's what Brett Brown said in Toronto about Joel Embiid. He said he is still our crown jewel, yeah. and he's still where our bread is buttered, and so. If he's like getting concerned about his touches, that's a concern, and they should make sure he's happy because he is still like the fulcrum of this team. And the thing was, people expected Simmons to take the brunt of this too. Yeah, if you just look statistically, it hasn't really changed a whole lot. I mean, what you see their dynamics on the floor is a little bit different, but yeah, I didn't really see this happening with Embiid. Um, make or miss, the Suns are serious about moving the team to Seattle if they don't get their arena deal pushed through. So it was Seattle or Vegas was the thing. I'm oh, or s- Vegas. Okay. I'm going to say make. Because I think really? Robert Sarver is that much of a clown, straightforward. Like, this guy, um, he's basically the James Dolan of the West. He's James Dolan of the desert, all right? Wow. <laughs> he's Cactus James Dolan, okay? James. Um, he's a terrible owner who, like, the, you know what? He's not even as good as James Dolan. You know why? Wow. Because James Dolan, for as bad and meddling of an owner as he is and, like, not a good guy, mm-hmm. he if he's got anything for him, it's that he at least spends money. Like, he's yeah, yeah. willing to try to throw money right. at things to true. make them go away from a Knicks perspective. Sarver is a bad owner in terms of, like, meddling and he's cheap. That's a very bad combination. Oh, yeah. And now he's got this, like, not that they're a legacy franchise, but they're a pretty historic franchise. They've been around, I think, almost 50 years now. They made the finals a couple times. They've had MVPs and Barkley and Nash. Like, pretty great franchise. And he's just, like, threatening to move them if he does. If taxpayers don't help him, billionaire server, pay for his new arena. Like, it's BS, but I believe he's that much of a clown to go through with it. So I'm going to call it a make. And yeah, he doesn't even play the kazoo. So he's definitely not on James Dolan's level. Yeah, he's not playing music with that nub. What's that promoter's name? Irving Azoff. He's buddies with. Oh my God! With him. Yeah, it's like yeah. an Eagles cover band. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, I agree. It's a make. I mean, we we don't know if Sarver what he's capable of. I mean, this guy, he's not well regarded as an owner. If, even if he's just playing that game where he wants to try and get mm-hmm. money out of the city to build an arena, he may be serious. Who knows? And maybe Las Vegas or certainly Seattle is going to be at a point in the next yeah. couple of years where they can probably offer him something. Well, this is the thing where I feel bad because um, I think Seattle deserves a team, but the NBA stands to gain more from keeping Seattle vacant as a threat. So basically, like, any time right. a, a new team has a new arena, whatever, coming up, which is going to happen all the time. It happens, like, every year, basically. They're going to say, well, we can move it to Seattle. They, they got a new arena now, like you know, and just, like, always use that threat to leverage that into getting money. Although eventually that'll – because the NFL did that for years with L.A. too. Yeah. They had, like, two decades with a team in the second biggest city in the country. So, I mean – and, you know, Seattle's been on a team now for 10 years. Yeah. That's there's, crazy. There's people there with money who want to get one eventually, so. They should expand. Yeah, they should look. The NHL can dilute their product, and <laughs> yeah. like the NHL's got like eight markets that shouldn't even be there. They can expand to thirty-two. That's right. Yeah. The NBA can too. Yeah, you, add you, two teams. You put one in Vancouver. You put one in Seattle. You reestablish the Northwest as a hotbed of basketball because it really is. Right now, they just have Portland, which is yeah. not even that close to the Northwest. Uh, well, I mean, it's, I, they're close, but, like, uh, you know what I mean? It's not like Seattle where, like, most of the parts are All due respect from. to Vancouver, as Canadians, I think we don't love to see one there. But I think if two are getting it, I think it'd be Seattle and Vegas. Like, yeah. I, I think oh, – I know. Like, uh, but – I have a wild I, card, too, uh, San Diego, because it's a big city. It's on um, the Mexican Then Kawhi's definitely – Kawhi's, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> Kawhi's taking a two-year deal in Toronto, and then seeing if San Diego gets a franchise, and he's yeah. going there and eating Wingstop nonstop. <laughs> yeah, that could um, be a problem. Yeah. All right, last one. Uh, this is not even a make or miss. It's just a question. Did you guys tear up watching LeBron versus Wade for the last time? 
definitely a very celebrated event. <laughs> I definitely, before watching that game, went on YouTube and looked up the top 25 plays of LeBron and Wade together as teammates. It's just such a great compilation of plays. Those heat days, and also even, like, they had a couple plays when they were on the Cavs last year, uh, are just, just so much fun to watch. And we didn't really appreciate them as much at the time because they were so hated, but just a really tremendous duo. Yeah, if I, I did not tear up. You did not tear up? Okay. I, inside, I did. Inside, I did. Okay. It was a great moment. It was pretty magical. Even their, like, walk, their joint walk-off interview uh-huh. kind of brought you back to the days when they were doing all their press conferences together with the Heat. It was, it was great, and I think they... They didn't necessarily make the best decisions down the stretch oh my God. Uh, of a tight game, but I think in general it was cool to see them go mano a mano. And I, it's something I wrote about the next day too. Yeah. Like I thought, um, just by Wade being there and like trash talking him a little bit and like pushing him a little bit, it, it almost brought out a little more in LeBron. And mm-hmm. I think in the end, um, Wade's got a legacy of his own, but that's also part of his legacy is that like more yeah. than any other peer, he brought the best out of LeBron. Yeah, um, and it's something LeBron admitted. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what it was written on the jersey when yeah. Dwayne Wade swapped it with LeBron. It said, thank you for pushing me to be the best version of myself that I could be, right? Which is a real awesome sentiment. And that's really what you want to see out of teammates. Yeah. No, I, I didn't tear up either, but like like you guys said. <laughs> Yo, who was tearing up? I, I kept seeing it on Twitter. Everyone was like, oh, my God. I'm like, I'm crying. There's this a certain a nice group moment. who will tear up. I can understand the emotions of it all. But like, like somebody was mentioning that like, and they were comparing to all the people LeBron's played with. Like Wade's easily the best teammate. LeBron's ever had and you compare that to like guys like like obviously Magic Johnson played with like numerous Hall of Famers yeah, Larry yeah. Bird etc um, so you know I mean that, that tells you something about LeBron's career and that Wade was such an important part of it was pretty cool to see um, yeah. yeah I mean Wade did not shoot well in that game he was yeah, he had 10 assists he had 10 assists but he was like 0 for whatever from 3 including that crazy one and that angle they had looked like the Nick Young shot where he, <laughs> where he let it go and it was nowhere close and he turns around um, so, I mean, you know, like Wade was never a three-point shooter anyway, although the yeah. last couple of years he's kind of gotten better at that. But. Yo, LeBron should have let Wade hit that shot. He should have just backed <laughs> off and let Wade send it to overtime. It would have been more fun. Here's what LeBron said about Dwayne Wade after the game. Although he talked about, like, the Miami years and going to Miami and yeah. said, I needed him. That's why I made the jump. I appreciate more than I can express in words what he did for me when I went down to Miami. That's and I think really, that's, like, really a very sweet. important thing to remember. It wasn't just about South Beach and Pat Riley, like – Dwayne Wade's play at that time yeah. was insane, and it he he was the perfect running mate for yeah. LeBron at the time. He was still searching his first championship. Yeah, yeah not enough gets made of a, that. Dwayne Wade, uh, you know, led a team to the championship with, with like a he wasn't washed up, but definitely in the Klein Shack, and then like that's Gary right. Payton yeah. and Alonzo yeah. Mourning and like all the referees. Jason Williams, like, like that's 20. a forgotten NBA yeah. championship team. Yeah, yeah, and Dwayne Wade was incredible for a young player to do that. Yeah. Um, young Dwayne Wade is just pr- probably one of my top favorite players to ever uh, just watch on a nightly basis because he was so dynamic and just like relentless going to the basket. Hot, and he got so many free throws in that final game. <laughs> hot take to stir all the uh, Kobe truthers before we sign off. Oh but, my God. Uh, look, Kobe had the better career. I'm not debating that. But peak Dwayne Wade, best shooting guard in the post-Jordan era. All right. There you go. Pound the rock. 